Are you recording, Kaylee? I mean, I was recording, and so you have my half of hearing about her pierced nipples. Oh, cool. (laughs) Hooray! (laughs) Let's talk about it again. (laughs) Okay, everyone, let's take a moment to talk about my nipples. (laughs) Woo! Spring break! (laughs) You! Spring break forever! Uh, Record us. Start recording as soon as you can, Kaylee. Yep, I am recording now. Oh, cool. I started recording since before I was born. I was Ooh. born recording. Impressive. Uh-huh. That doesn't surprise Sitting me. Sitting in like that womb and hit that record button. It's like a reverse Truman show up in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I'm going to eat a granola bar very close to the mic. That'll be good uh, Good podcast content. Here we go. It's a granola <laughs> cast. Okay, that's... That, that's... Um... <sighs> okay yeah moving on (laughs) you don't like my concept of the granola cast granola cast actually sounds like something people would be listening to constantly and you just say okay so today i'm eating this brand of granola bar Uh and you just eat the bar Uh and post it and you do like like two a week Two different types of granola bars a week. You just put up there and cast it, and you'll probably get sponsors sending you granola bars to do that with. Yeah, I'll get a Nature Valley uh, sponsorship. Yep, or um, yeah, yeah, or you know, even even like Cliff Bar might do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think we need to st- start a second podcast. There's just an ASMR podcast of eating granola bars, uh-huh. and we try out different types of granola bars and see how they sound differently. Mm. Um, that, that would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, th- this is the type of ideas that go viral. Like, come on. I'm I'm in search. I'm a woman on a mission. I'm in search of the basiest sounding granola bar in the Ooh. land. I won't rest. I like it. <gasps> we got it. And then we can like get people to remix them into songs. Uh-huh. And it'll be like, yeah, oh, God, really yeah. bassy, crunchy yeah. music. And we'll create a whole new genre. They can include it in a CD that comes in every box in Nature Valley. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it'll be like the checks, like the um, that um, checks adventure game that came in the box of checks in the '90s. That everyone, it was like a Doom clone. But I think I was thinking more like an ASMR thing, where like the A stands for awesome, the Ooh. the S mm-hmm. stands for super, mm-hmm. the M stands for magnificent, mastication, Ma- mag- magnificent, and the R stands for really awesome super magnificent amazing and then, i love it mm-hmm, that, um, there you go you solved it it's yeah it's so mm-hmm. so it's asmr a granola bar ca- podcast asmr mm-hmm. a dot 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 a granola bar cast a granola cast a granola cast welcome welcome to asmr yacht 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 a gorilla cat. This is yours, Victoria. <laughs> I'm ready to cough. All right, all right. So, um, so let's get st- let's do our intro. <laughs> let's right, do it. Right, right. The host chair is yours, Kaylee. Go for it.
I put my granola, I finished my granola bar. Go ahead. Fantastic. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to We Happen to Be Chance, a yet-to-be-named podcast. Uh, we are going to start off with some sweet, sweet introductions with our lovely Jen, as usual. Jen, want to tell us a bit about yourself? I am Jen Giggles, and I am a wonderful married polyamorous person looking for a new sweetie. No, just kidding. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is where we're doing our Craigslist postings now. <laughs> this is our Craigslist introduction. I'm a married woman searching for a new sweetie, and I can't wait to meet her. No, I'm kidding. I am, <laughs> I am perfectly happy with the two women in my life. And you can find me at Jen under, at gratefully underscore Jen on Instagram. Fantastic. And Victoria, introduce. Ooh. It got all, mm-hmm. it got all like sexy spicy for a minute. Okay, Ooh. well let me let me kind of meet you there. <laughs> let me meet you there, sailor girl. My name is Victoria, and I'm here on this week's podcast as a regular on this week's podcast. I was on other weeks too. Uh, don't forget about those. Check them out. They're in the log history in the backlog mm. but also my instagram's victoria underscore maximus and also i am not polyamorous what's the what's the other one what's the other you're you're monogamous i'm monogamous i'm monogamous Mon- yeah mm-hmm. so so call me sometime <laughs> that doesn't make sense. If I'm monogamous, why would I have someone call me? I'm married. Dang. Well, I, I don't know, but someone's really confused now. They're probably going to call you. They're, yeah, they're definitely somebody's going to message you about getting hooked up with you. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I like the attention. I'll just, you know, and I also like to reject people. That's really, when, mm-hmm. you know. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Oh, dang. That's, that's a good one. I was going to do like a Craigslist ad for like a sugar mommy because, you know, School is expensive. Living the dream. For like, gosh dang, I had I had a thing. I had a thing, and then I lost it. Um, I should probably just do my introduction then. I'm Kaylee. <laughs> Kaylee.cake on Instagram. <laughs> I also do a YouTube thing, also Kaylee Cake without the dot. Um, yeah, I, I am here. I got blue hair, and I like to do the philosophy stuff. And oh, I'm so ex- excited to talk about my topic today. Like, this show's been eating me up. Um, oh, man. But first, we got to do an icebreaker. And yeah. I've got one. I've got one. So Good. we class started recently. Uh-huh. And for our woman in pop culture class, we went around the room and went with what pop culture character do you most identify with or feel of the biggest connection to? Oh, my goodness. Ooh. Thoughts? Go ahead, Jen. Dibs on not going first. Uh, bye, Jen. Here you go. Or yeah. Mm-hmm. So wait, wait, no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. Are, are we talking like any character? Like could any be... character? Okay, any character. Oh my gosh. I mean, what was your answer, uh, Kaylee? How about you give us time to okay. think? Okay, that'll help us. I've, I've got, I've got a good one because I, I've set this up for five years now. Um, so the character that I most identify with is Kaylee Frey from Firefly, uh, and that is where I chose my name from, um, just because she's so darn sweet, and she's a huge inspiration for the type of person I want to be. And uh, so, yeah, 
and named myself after her. Cool. Uh-huh. I love it. Okay. Okay. I. It's tough. I don't know if I have a, a, a current answer. The answer I would have given for a long time because I did feel like I related so much was Wolverine. Um, like from the X Men, the X Men Wolverine. I mean, is there any other? Um, <laughs> the, the Wolverine, the, well, an, the I mean... animal. Uh, um, no, but, <laughs> um, but he, yeah, because he. He's been through a lot of rough stuff. He just, life just keeps beating the trash out of him. Um, but he like has weathered it and become kind of this like, you know, you don't want to know kid kind of like tough like person. And then he also had a lot of like selective memory issues. And as I got older, I kind of recognized that, um, I mean, not to the extent that that he went through, but like there were, there were certain things that I had, that I from childhood that I had kind of blocked out of my memory because they were too intense or, you know, or something. And like, I kind of, uh, like people started telling me like, Oh yeah. Like remember like this happened or whatever. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, okay. Okay. I'm just going to tell you the story real quick. Here we go. So when I was in third grade, um, my, my best friend had switched schools and I found out about it when I showed up one day and it was like, Hey, like, where is he? And it was like, Oh, he doesn't go here anymore. And I was like, what? So then in third grade, I was kind of alone. I was also like known as the overweight kid. So I was like really kind of bullied because it was early 90s. And so I was bullied and like beat up all the time. And I was in sophomore year and there was a fight happening um, at a park around where I lived. And a bunch of the kids from my high school gathered there. So it was like 100 kids watching this fight. The fight ended and I was like, okay, everybody started breaking up. And this, this guy walks up to me and he goes, Hey, it's, you know, and then he said his name from third grade. And he was the leader of this bully, like team, like this, these kids had like their leader. He was the leader of that group. And he's like, Hey, I remember me, you you bit me in the arm and he holds up his arm and he has this huge scar on his arm. (laughs) I looked at him and I'm like, I'm like, I did. He goes, yeah. Uh, I'm like, well, sorry about that, man. He's like, eh, that's cool. I'm like, all right, well, good to see you. And then I walked home. That was it. That was the end of the exchange. He was nice. And I walked home. I'm like, mom and dad, did I bite some kid's arm in third grade? And they're like, yeah, it was he like, you took out a chunk. He had to go to the like emergency <laughs> room. You got sent to the principal's office. You got sent home with a like note and like you got in all this trouble. And I was like, I have zero memory of any of this. So, you know, Wolverine is still a little befitting, but maybe I'll go with Wolverine's daughter, who is Wolverine but a girl? X-23? Yeah. Yeah. Not not, not her daughter. You're attracting X-23 for sure. Yeah, X twenty three. Sure, I'm X. I'm X twenty three. Even though I've never read an issue of the comic nice. with her in it, I just know she exists. Mm-hmm. But I'm just imagining it's Wolverine as a girl. I'm like Beast and the Beauty. Beast to the Beauty. That's you know what? That's my new nineties mm-hmm. uh, pop boy girl band. What's a what's a girl band called? Love it. Yeah, boy, Beast. Beast, girl Beast to Beauties. That's my trans girl group. Beast to Love Beauties. It. It's like boys to men. But boys to girls. I'm down with that one. <laughs> boys to girls. 
<laughs> Done. I've always wanted to be like Ariel. I, I, okay, I still, I still want to be Ariel. Um, but I, I know um, I apparently have a thing for Jodie Benson because I didn't realize she also was the voice of Tula on um, the Pirates of Darkwater who I also wanted to be because she was way fucking cooler than any of the guys on TV ever. <laughs> so apparently I'm just, uh, just, I just want to be whoever Jody Benson is voicing in, you know, the early nineties. <laughs> I love that. It's not about the character. It's about the voice. <laughs> Cause they're all way cooler than anything I went through. <laughs> all right, then shall we dig into these, Nice, juicy, and mostly happy topics. Yes. Yeah. Juicy. Who wants to go like first? Me. <laughs> um, I'll go first. Fine. All right. Go for it. <laughs> oh, okay. Do it. So this week, I want to talk about a video game that I just completed. It's called Yoku's Island Express. Express. It I is. have no idea anything about this game. <laughs> well, now you're gonna find out. So here we go. Yeah. Welcome to the welcome to the podcast. Um, so <laughs> this game came out earlier this year. It's pretty recent, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I I played a little demo of it. I saw it went on sale. I really wanted to buy it, but then it went on Twitch Prime. Uh, there. I want to say it was Twitch Prime. They're, they're free games uh, each month that come out that you can get if you have Amazon oh. Prime. Um, cool. Uh, sponsor us, Amazon, by the way. because uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. Okay, <laughs> take care, Amazon. Love, Vicky. Um, so I got it for free and played through it. I was so excited to start it because the concept of this game is it is a platformer pinball game. Let's let that soak in for a minute. <laughs> I mean, like I, I played, I, I played Pokemon Pinball, no. and I've played Pinball that used to be on all the Windows machines. No, mm-hmm. what it's the like, heck is platforming pinball? It, it's almost like open world pinball, if that makes sense. Which it probably doesn't. But no, so yeah. so you start out your Yoku, who is this little bug, this cute little buggy, who ha- who kind of brings around this ball, this little this little white ball like a pinball he kind of has it tethered to him and he arrives on this island and is basically here to take over the job as the postmaster for this island so you kind of get the gist of hey this is way up to well go you know start getting to work yoku yay and so you just start rolling around the island you talk with its inhabitants and every once in a while you'll roll up to an area um, and be dropped into a pinball-like scenario where, you know, there's flippers all over the world that will bounce you up to different locations or kind of bounce you around through different corridors, and then you'll arrive at another section. So some of the time you're walking and pushing your ball, and a lot of the time you're using flippers to, um, because you can't jump on your own. So the flippers basically are the way that you're able to jump and be kind of pushed into different okay. areas. So so one of the first main hubs that you drop into, there's a flipper that will shoot you back out from where you came. And then there's a flipper that will shoot you into almost like a mini, it's not a pinball table. I mean, it's like a pinball table, but it still is the design of the world. So it's a jungle kind of design. And there's different sections and different things to hit that will unlock 
other exits of that area. So um, if you look out, you can see, okay, well, there's an exit here, there's an exit here, or this exit's blocked off. So maybe I need to hit some stuff to, you know, get items to unlock this part within the table. It really teaches you how to do pinball very well because the penalty for death is you just fall through some little thorns and then you can shoot right back in. And so it's made me so much better at pinball. Um, does that make sense, Jen? Do you have questions? <laughs> no, no, no. I. It sounds like it, somebody said, let's do, let's just have random pinball things in the middle of this world. And it sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. Is this a game that you're familiar with, Kaylee? Have you played it or what? what's your yes. knowledge? I, I've played it. I have not finished it, um, but I bought it, I, I guess that was about a year ago. Because I, I bought it for my trip to Montreal because I want something to play on the plane and while recovering from surgery. And it's just like the cutest little game. And it's so fun and satisfying. I don't know what, what more to add other than like it's such a fantastic idea. And how in the world did anyone think of putting this together and making like an open world pinball like Oh, I agree. Whoever thought that up is a genius. And I agree. There's a lot. And and like a lot of open world games, it does have secrets and bonus areas and more to do if you want to. I'm deciding not to because there's a lot of other games I want to play. And a lot of times getting, you know, com being a completionist in games, I find not to be worth the time that it takes. It takes a lot more time and doesn't give me the reward that I would like. So hunting Koroks in Breath of the Wild. That kind of thing. Yeah. It's like it's like, okay, yeah. that's cool, but I'm also not like a teenager with summers off anymore. You know, I don't have and right. limited income. Like I it's not like, oh, this is my only game for a whole summer, so I'm just gonna play it until it's done. You know, I, I saw most of the places there was. If I saw a secret that kind of looked cool or oh, this area looks interesting, I went there and did a couple of the little bonus things, and I, I beat it this past week. And it was a very cute, fun game. So if you like platformers and you like pinball, like not only is it one of, a really good platformer, but it's one of the best pinball games that I've played because there's when you're playing pinball, you know, you go to it for the table. And there are good tables and there are bad tables. Like Twilight Zone, that's a good one. Uh, Adam's Family is a good one. Ghostbusters Mars is... God of War was a great table. Sure. So that's kind of where, and you're looking for, you know, how dynamic is the layout? What are the features of this table? Um, how interesting is it? Does it play fairly? Um, and with Yoku, there are, I mean, the whole map has so many different features. There's a snow area, there's a desert area, and each has its own like little concepts of you know, kind of surrounding the world that will move your ball in different ways. You don't always just move from flippers. Sometimes a world, you know, something within the world will move you. Uh, another thing that I love is there's a fast travel system called the Beeline, and it literally is beehives that you <laughs> that you get um, shot into, and then you can quickly shoot yourself around to different areas quickly once you unlock it. And the soundtrack to the game and when you use the beeline is just so happy and so good. The graphics are, are very fun. I can't possibly recommend it more. So that is Yoku's Island Express. 
you should definitely play it. It's cheap. And it also has one of the best title card reveals, late title card reveals that I've ever seen. I'll, I'm going to take you up on that recommendation. And, and uh, when I get a new job, I'm going to buy it and play it. Let's have a part two. Let's have a follow-up on this then. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> okay. So I am so excited for this show because it's been devouring my time. Um, it is Euphoria, the HBO um, show. And yep. it is amazing and eerie and terrifying and i love it like there's so much to talk about with the show and a lot of it has to do with sort of the characters and the story being portrayed where it's like a high school story it 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 almost goes to i haven't seen archie but i imagine that it kind of like has the similar like oh there's a murder mystery thing but it's not like taken to the so far removed from reality as like archie is this is like high schoolers that probably are more on the level of college students and are dealing with really, really intense stuff. Um, But it's also grounded in a bit of reality, but you always have this feeling that something else is lurking out there. And it is terrifying, but also beautiful in the way that it portrays characters in that. Um, (laughs) Anyways, the the characters are great and there's so much to talk about, but the thing that I really want to talk about the most is how it creates this feeling, this, like, everything comes together in this way where, like, it creates this eerie feeling of, like, dread, but also it's, it's oddly... Like, you don't want it to leave. Like, I've been, li- like, the soundtrack is really good. And I've been listening to music from it just so that I can, like, stay in this weird headspace that it creates. Um, that's, like, kind kind of eerie in that. And they use a lot of, like, neon lights, lots of, like, neon purple lights, uh, which is really cool. It uses weird cuts and techniques to make it feel very, like, it flows together, but in a way that kind of, like doesn't seem right, almost dreamlike, um, which kind of ties back to the name and also touches, like, connects to the themes of substance abuse uh, within it as well as mental health and that. Um, the this, this show brings everything together to make this feeling that just engulfs you, and I, I find it really fascinating. Um, have either of you heard, or I, Jen, you had a, a chance to watch a bit of it? Um, I successfully watched episode one, um, and then I had to go to bed because it, you know. Good luck going to bed after that episode. It it wasn't bad, actually. um, Yeah, okay. Because, you know, actually, I shouldn't say I had to go to bed. I said, I should say my family came home, and it's like I couldn't watch episode two. Ah, okay, Um, okay. But uh, I'm with you. The, the, The staging, the lighting, the soundtrack, the crew involved in this are as skilled and talented as any I've seen on a TV show in a long time. Like they're what they're creating um, around the actors who are pulling off these really complex character parts is, is just as technically difficult. And I love it. And it's amazing. Like, um, you know, but I spent the entire episode just kind of on the, as on the edge of my seat as I could be and just sitting there going, something something is up what is going on with this story it's really messed up and it's it's amazing and i want to see more um so i will be working on that this week some more but what struck me at least as far as the technical side of things was the way the director yeah the, the way jules is portrayed and the way she does things 
feels so what I grew up with. So like how trans women were portrayed in the 90s um, and the way the director cuts it um, and, and the video team and the videographer and everything. Like going in, I knew the character was trans, but the reveal that she's trans isn't until the end of episode one. And I was left in near tears of joy with how well they handled it, despite the fact that I'd spent the entire episode fearing for both her, both Jules' life and um, Rue, Rue's lives. I'm like, what are they going to, how are they going to fuck their lives up? Right. What was on my mind the entire episode? And I was worried about these characters in an hour. I mean, how did it, I mean, how did that even happen in, in like an hour? That's, that's amazing writing this, this, everything that you're talking about technically is there. And then the way they just revealed that Jules was, was trans was just like, as if it was nothing. Yeah. I, I love how they kind of, they, they do it in such a way that like, it, there's no reveal. It's just like, if you happen to be looking, you'll pick up that she's taking medicine through injections earlier in the episode and just these little things start adding up, but there's never a moment of like, Hey, <laughs> here it is. Um, right. And I think they, they did a good job handling it that way. And I think the way, the things that they do with her character are really well done and respectful. And I, I want to make my own episode of this on this kind of topic for YouTube, the way they portray things in a realistic way, which can almost be a little, feel a little too realistic at times, um, just with like so, some of the ways and the issues and mental stuff that she's dealing with that I don't know if all viewers are going to understand and they might take it the wrong or take out the wrong meaning, but that's a problem for another episode. Um, but uh, I want to kind of get back to this feeling of dread that they create uh, with the show that you mentioned, which I think is really cool because in any other show, like someone would get murdered, someone would get raped, something really bad would happen. And it feels like something like that is going to happen. And it keeps up this like tenseness throughout the whole season. But at the same time, it, it's grounded in this reality of like what would should be portrayed as a dangerous situation. What all, all the things that are telling you that someone should like die or something because of the actions that they're taking in a show. Um, and then they turn it into this is like a more realistic version where like not everyone out is out to kill each other and but people are jerks and that but they're not you know going to be vicious and like I, I feel like they did a good job of grounding it in some reality even though a lot of it is very dr dramatized and out there um yeah yeah um one of the things I I, I liked how it was like oh here's a situation where in almost any movie or TV show, the murder victim. Here's the murder victim. Here's the person who died. Here's the murder victim. Here's the body. You have like three or four of those at least over yeah. the course of the show. And I'm like, that's a whole episode of SVU. That's an episode of regular law and order. That's an episode of that. And that just kept going through my mind. It's like, you know, CSI would be on this episode. That's an episode of this because I, I like watching murder mysteries. And, I, I you know, and I'm like that. Yeah, I could name which show these would fall under. But it was like, wait, <laughs> what? Kind of pull it back into kind of reality and a more kind of under, more, yeah. more almost realistic or um, like not everyone is pure evil type of 
thing and make things really gray and murky. And I love that so much. Like, And the way they have some of the characters that are total jerks, but they're also conflicted in their own ways and dealing with stuff. And the yeah. actors pull it off so well. And anyways, Victoria. We'll give you the mic, Victoria. <laughs> no, yeah. that's fine. I, I'm intrigued. Um, I talked a couple of weeks ago about breathing room and shows. Is this a show that kind of tries to hit hard all the time or does it have downtime? Oh, does it have okay. um, character is... building moments and kind of, uh, is there, are there moments of levity? This is, this is a kind of a tricky one because I feel it's always floating in that area. Like o- almost like in, it's always pulling its punches, but it's it, making you expect that it's going to punch full. Um, and the char- character development is amazing. There's tons of that. There are jokes that I, I've i laughed out loud multiple times during this, this season. Um, and however, there is very rarely a chance to catch your breath and, like, sit back in your seat and relax for any amount of time. But there is a huge amount of character development and time that is not all, like... In, in your face. A, a lot of the show is actually spent with like these just emotional shots and interesting perspectives and doing cool things with the camera where you just kind of like flow with it. Um, huh. And so I would, I, I'd say it's never like, you know, trying to hit you with, you know, gut punch after gut punch. It's more like this elongated feeling of like, an interesting feeling of being immersed in the show, if that makes sense. If you've ever watched, um, you know, a quick takedown by, um, you know, Muhammad Ali or or, um, one of the other big boxers, you know, the big names, how they'd come in and they'd do that. They get you with like a three or a four cycle punch. You feel like you're, and you don't, you wait with bated breath. Once the punch starts moving, it's like, the entire show floats at that moment right before the cycle starts. So you're sitting there just breathing normal. You're not holding your breath for the, because the punches aren't coming there. That doesn't start. It just kind of holds you there in that spot where everything's normal. Everything's moving. It's just that second right before Ali just slams down in a three cycle punch and they're down and, and you know, the opponents on the ground, it's like the space before that. So, you know, um, and I, I realize I'm probably the most sports of the three of us, and I don't watch that much sports. But um, yeah, and that that sounds interesting. I do like. I, um, I was doing a little bit of research whilst we were uh, having this conversation, um, and the trans girl in the show is played by a uh, trans woman in in real life, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always a fan of that and supporting that. And I like the the premise of the of the different characters here. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up real quick the what what the description was on Wikipedia because it, it's actually okay kind of funny and, or fun mm-hmm. and hilarious. I love these things. Okay, mm-hmm. let's check it out. Okay, uh, or hold on. It's coming. <laughs> while, while you're searching that up, I also just want to mention quickly how the, the costuming for the show is so amazing. 
uh, especially for Jules, the trans woman. Like, she's got such a cool style, and it's really inspired me to, like, try out some more colorful, weird stuff uh, that I've had, like, sitting in the back of my closet. And, like, I I can't remember if it's the director. Someone on the show was talking about how she, like, starts out basically like like an anime girl. And she has a Madoka Magica background on her phone, and I freaking love yeah, it. Yeah, she does. <laughs> and, yeah. And all the other characters, yeah. too, have such, like, interesting styles. It's actually, like, been really inspirational to look at and see um, kind of what pieces of styles uh, one one can take and use for themselves, because, oh, it's, it's, it's cool. I had, a, I had a friend who dressed almost like her in high school like she like right before butterfly hair clips Mm. became this thing you know how they rolled out she was wearing what would effectively be um lolita colors you know those really colorful um gothic you know the the gothic lolita but you know in pinks and blues and whatnot she was wearing that kind of a color pattern on on what would be standard goth clothes with butterfly clips in her hair. Amazing. And I always wanted to be, I always wanted to dress like her, but now it's like, I'm nearly 40. <laughs> I can't pull that shit off anymore. <laughs> How's it going, Victoria? Uh, fine. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Been a good day. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So, Wikipedia says this about Euphoria. Euphoria is an American teen drama television series created by Sam Levinson and based on the Israeli miniseries of the same name, originally created by Ron Lynchham. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Rue Bennett is a 17-year-old recovering drug addict struggling to find her place in the world. And then I read somewhere else that it said with she has no desire to quit. Lexi Howard as uh, her childhood best friend and Cassie's younger sister. Fezco, that sounds like that sounds like a company like Fez that, <laughs> that like sells Fezes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Need a new need a new Fez? Need a Fez replacement? Come to Fezco. It's like Spatula City. Right? <laughs> yeah, the Spatula I, I shop at Spatula City. It's right next to the Fezco. Uh, in the in the hammock district, uh, a, a local drug dealer with a close relationship to Rue. Uh, let's see, high school. Uh, oh, Nate Jacobs, a high school athlete whose anger issues mask sexual insecurities. Cat uh, Hernandez, a body conscious teen exploring her sexuality. Where's the? Well, they don't even Jules. list. They don't Jules? even. What? She's what? like the most important character in the whole story. Hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on. Oh, like, here, here we go. I found her. I found right her. Right at the beginning. Jules Vaughn. Okay. A transgender girl who quickly befriends Rue after moving into town. That doesn't say anything. Darn it. Wikipedia sucks. She's I found like, a way better article yeah. on it, and now I just can't find it. It just disappeared, and I was looking and looking and looking, and now I don't know where it is, and it's just gone. Tragic. It's all gone. We can make up our own. Oh, Jules, uh, the anime nerd who dresses like freaking amazing with all the colors and all the skirts and rides a cute bike. And uh, what else? Oh, dang. Why do I only remember that? <laughs> I want to no. wear cute skirts and ride a bike. Yeah, I can I can do it. I'm gonna. 
I am going to. How how would I keep my skirt from not like flying up and showing my underwear all the time? You know what? I don't even care. I don't even care. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be a writing peep. Watch the show and you'll see how she pulls it off. I'll be mm-hmm. a writing peep show. That's my new business. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur. Okay. Some people may call me an entrepreneur. I like mm-hmm. to think of myself as a creative idea woman who also <laughs> puts those into into application and makes money because nice. it sounds longer okay. and, and it means that I can talk about myself more, which is my mm-hmm. life goal. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And I will come ride. I will come. I will come to my peep show in your neighborhood for however long you paid for. Come, come, come in my peep show. That is that. That's you know. I heard. Uh, I heard. Isn't that isn't that what Pee Wee Herman got in trouble for in the early nineties? No, that was it was not a peep show. Coming in a peep show. <laughs> it was not a peep show. <laughs> I, um, it was a full blown theater with kids. You know that that oh that oh that's not the dream. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace, Paul Rubens. Even though I don't think he's dead. No, no. I mean, Live in peace. Might as well be. Live in peace, Paul Rubens. Live in peace. Um, you know the song mm-hmm. "Fat Bottom Girls," where all the girls are, are mm-hmm. like naked and riding like with fat bottoms. That that song is about me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Queen wrote it about me. It was like a pro. It was a prophetic <laughs> song because that was written in the seventies and mm. I was born in the eighties. But it was like Victoria's coming, nice. and then uh, wow, that makes you really important. Mm-hmm. If you have like a prophecy of. Mm-hmm. For you, like yeah, yeah, you are sweet. important. It's you mm-hmm. know, I I fulfilled several prophecies in my lifetime. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. Fat bottom Amazing. girls was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one was um, no killer queen. Queen 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 was was ahead of their time. Uh, let's see what else. Um, uh, dancing in the street. I did that one time. That was a that was about Ooh. me. Um, Let's see. Uh, Brown Eyed Girl. It was was not about me, but uh, Van Morrison did a really good job singing it. Yeah, because I have blue eyes, so I didn't fulfill that one. But uh, Moon Dance. I danced in the moon one time. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Synchronicity. That one's about me. I'll let you figure it out. Who even knows what what that means? Yep. <laughs> Every song. It's somehow it's about mm-hmm. me. Black Dog. That's yeah. my nickname. Mm-hmm. Ah. Didn't you know it? Victoria Black Dog Maximus. Space Oddity. If that just doesn't scream Victoria, I don't know what does. <laughs> I don't know why I'm only picking classic rock songs, but, you know, it works, right? Yeah. yeah. Jailhouse sure. Rock. I was in jail and rocked one time. <gasps> yeah? Ooh. That one's a lie. I uh, That was not <laughs> true. I, I was never <laughs> in jail. But I did rock. Anyway. Okay, close enough. I was this, arrested by a German once. You know... Mm-hmm. No, that's mm-hmm. actually a true story. Okay. I was arrested in Germany once by German police. Oh, and we'll just leave it there. Time. We'll leave it up to the. We'll leave it up to <laughs> the to the imagination. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's. Gosh, and, we're just know, going I'm, to be way better than anything. <laughs> and, and I am on a technicality a dame. I am a knight. I am not a knight of. I'm not a knight of a country, but I am a knight. So, what's the female? What's the female equivalent of a lord? Lady. No, okay. Well, I am a lady. I want to be a lord. I'm, can I be a lordess? You, you, no, 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 no. What you're, what you're looking for is a, a specific title. A lord. Lordess. No, lord is not a Goddess. title. It's a position. 
goddess Victoria Maximus. Yeah, doesn't that sound good? That sounds way better than than you know, Lady or Lord Victoria Maximus, goddess. That rolls right off the toes, tongue. <laughs> what <are> you Lips. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Oh, mm-hmm. Lord, okay. Okay, so I mean, I'm interested. I, I will watch some of Euphoria soon, and we will have a follow-up where I get to talk with you about my thoughts on Euphoria. I can't wait. It'll Do be it. Victoria, Foria, Moria. Love it. Goria, because October is coming. Halloween. Don't forget. Fantastic. That sounds I, I, I can't wait. Boria? Wow, that's really mean. Oh, anyway. gosh. Okay. <laughs> I said Moving Gloria, on. not Boria. Oh, wow. How could you say it again? Get oh, the car key that out was of not your ears. I can't hear. I have yeah. Ramsey Hunt syndrome. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Yes, yes. I suppose we should move on to Jen's topic. My topic. What oh, may it be, ooh. Jen? Introduce your topic. I want to talk about Beauty and the Beast. And I don't want to talk as about old as time. That's the one I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about as old as rhyme. Friendship never ends when then yeah, you've totally got the bands. Beauty <laughs> and the yeast. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that wasn't that murder she wrote? Murder she wrote saying uh in in the animated one, but we're, we're just, just, you're getting a little ahead here because we're not talking about the the you know any of the other movies or shows. Although I do want to go back guest. and rewatch. Mm-hmm. I do want to go back and rewatch the Beauty and the Beast that starred Ron Perlman. Um, that that live action one from the eighties. I used to watch that. I did too, and it also it's had Ron fucking um, Perlman. It makes he makes all he makes everything better, even when it's like a crappy. You know, even when it's a crappy B movie that should not have been made, he it suddenly also, brings it up to a whole nother level. It also had mm-hmm. Linda fucking Hamilton. Yes, it did. Who was Sarah Connor. And that's yeah. the shit. And she's going to be yeah. in the in the next Terminator movie and kind of makes me want to watch it because she's one of the yeah. baddest ass women. You know what? That's the pop culture woman that I am. Sarah Connor. Mm. Nice. <laughs> Uh, Go ahead. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's let's talk about Beauty and the Beast, but not not just the animated one. Let's talk about the live action remake also. And I know not everybody loved the live action remake. I mean, there were some really craptacular decisions, like auto tuning Emma Watson. Not the best Oof. decision they ever made. Oof. Right? I mean, let her have a little bit. I mean, unless she literally couldn't sing, in which case, you know, I mean, hiring Lee Saldana to replace, uh, you know, just to sing for Mulan instead of having, you know, Ming Na Wen do it, um, I guess. But, you know, that, that, that would have been an okay decision, maybe. Uh, but auto tuning her was not the greatest. But. We, yeah, you know, all three of us have seen the animated one, right? Have you? Have both of you seen the live action one? No, I have no. not. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, but I know I know all the songs from the animated one. Okay, like um, there's the um, uh, uh, I want to read where the people are. 
I want to be in the streets <laughs> and marry Gaston. I okay, want to go yeah, no, no, to that just, scary castle I'm cut you off right and now. rescue my <laughs> father. If I could mute you, I would. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite one. So, so we'll get we'll talk about a bit about the songs, but I want to talk about the changes they made to the story. Mostly the changes they made to the story. So, in the animated one, um, we know that it supposedly takes place over the course of a monthish, two months. I mean, it's approaching. It's like mid October. When her dad goes off on his to, at, at the beginning of the movie because they're harvesting and he's going off to the to a fair. Fairs usually take place in the fall, in in traditionally in France. So yeah. we know that's when that would have taken place, September or October, at the latest mid October, and winter comes. And due to the sequel, the 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 sequel filler movie thing. Um, the in between enchanted christmas it, the yeah. enchanted christmas movie it takes place over christmas and so it's sometime in january that her dad finally gets home after you know trying to find everything himself and heads and goes back into town to try and get more help right so i mean that that's that's several months for the two of them to fall in, fall in love it makes perfect sense that this could happen and no, if you know anything about it, it's not Stockholm Syndrome in any way, shape, or form. Because she doesn't, although she empathizes with the beast and learns to care for him, she doesn't join him in any way. She doesn't help him do stuff. It's not Stockholm Syndrome. It's actually different what goes on in the movie and um, um, my psychology is you know 20 years old here so i'm not going to get much further than being able to explain to you that it's not um so they made some changes there the the live action it appears to take place over the course of about a week as opposed to multiple months so this this is this is literally the part that sits the least well with me out of all the changes they made um, other changes they made that make the most sense is not all the servants that were still there got turned into dishes and wardrobes and whatnot. It was literally just this small group of people who chose to stay because they wanted to. They chose oh. to be punished with the prince. And it's a really cool adaptation of the story. They made this choice. Um, and I'm really happy they didn't add the song um, Human Again into the live action movie because that's a horrible song um, when they added it to the animated feature. Um, How does that one go? Don't, don't, no. No, 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 no I'm, I'm actually asking. Oh, to be human again, human again. Human again. It's literally that's like two thirds of the song is saying human again over and over again. So wait, um, that was in the original one? That was at, that was cut from the original animated feature because it didn't add anything to the movie. Uh -huh. They put it into the stage show and added uh -huh. it in on the special edition release for the animated feature. 
and they cut it from the live action because it actually didn't help anything. Nobody so, liked it. Okay, so so let me see if I got this off of one listen. Okay, so when um when um they said why why tell them that we're human again why yeah why? no does he do me that way yeah no no oh. thank goodness uh you don't want to get this one anyway so then they they've at um other changes they made they actually made the enchantress a character in the story that instead of in, instead of being the a you know, oh, here's the stained glass picture, and then you never hear from her again. She's actually there the entire movie. She's part of the story. She's a character in the background. And you watch her. She has a name and everything. So the enchantress that put the curse there is watching so that she can remove the spell when when needed. I mean, it's, it's brilliantly done in that change, um, you know, and... and some of the other minor changes they added, um, like outright, you know, rewrites on songs or making ad, ad, adding songs, like um, you know, Alan Menken was involved in both the animated uh, for the movie for both the animated and the live action movies. He was the musical creator for both. Um, he added new songs. He added a few new songs, like talking about. You know why? Why they? What you know? Trying to, to find the memories of what used to be the way love was when you know when I was a child. The memory of that from both Belle and the Beast singing about that. Um, you know, the Beast lamenting, letting Belle go. There's a whole. This the song is wonderful. I think it's probably the best edition. A lot of people are like, we didn't need to hear him lament for three minutes. I'm like. But it's it's actually gives us more of the beast instead of his he was angry and now he loves her and that was it he's sad because he let her go no I mean it, it gave a, a bit more depth to the character in my opinion the way it was added into the to, to the script and everything um, so a lot of the a lot of the story changes the plot changes were were brilliant I mean Emma Watson's the inventor not her dad. Her dad's just an artist, a painter, somebody who would actually have been in Paris before they left. So the the the, the stuff that made the stuff the way they changed it, the stuff made sense how it was how they fixed some of the story elements that were plot holes, and like the castle, it was brilliantly done. The castle itself is cursed, just like everyone in it. It is cursed to fall apart and collapse. So you so all the parts of the castle that look so run down in the animated movie that made no sense because you know this there's all these people all these people enchanted objects to help maintain it and keep it going couldn't maintain a castle well now there's only six of them and the castle's cursed as well so Gaston doesn't die because the beast knocks him off of a, you know, off the wall when he tries to stab him in the back. Gaston gets so caught up in hunting and attacking that he stands on a crumbling archway to shoot the beast with a, with a musket or a pistol. I think it's a pistol. He just stands there to shoot him and it collapses underneath him. 
his own blinded hatred and anger and all of that stuff that makes up who Gaston as a character is causes Gaston to die, you know? Um, and then they got rid of probably the worst thing in the animated feature, the worst thing in the original animated feature, the attempted forced marriage of Belle to Gaston that everyone in town showed up for. That was gone. Wait. And I loved that. But Because that shouldn't have happened. No one would have allowed that to happen. Her dad wasn't there. The priest was like, let's get them married. That, that would never have happened. No one in town would have accepted that. And so it was a really smart decision to delete that from the script for the live action one. Just th those are my thoughts on it. I really, really liked the changes and the way it was done. So if you both get a chance, do do watch the new live action one and, and tell me what you think of, you know, like the song Evermore and the changes to the script and the way the plot was adapted and made to fit in more logical ways that as a little kid, you didn't notice, but you did when you watched it as an adult with your own children. <laughs> mm -hmm. How, how does the Evermore song go? Is it, um, Evermore? And no. I wonder. No. No. no Evermore. Sorry. No? Oh. No. No, no. Fine. You go Good on chat. YouTube. Go on to YouTube and, and just look up Dan Stevens Evermore. Uh, and um, Dan Stevens is the um, actor who played the Beast. By the um, Foo Fighters. And, Foo Fighters? No. 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 <laughs> As it, um, so I don't know. Okay. What, what, let's just, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the animated feature? Since you haven't seen the live action one, um, you've caught my thoughts on the way the changes were done. What are your thoughts on the original animated feature? I haven't seen either, so I don't have any You haven't any seen the original Beauty and the Beast from Disney? No. <gasps> I haven't seen The Lion King either. Um, yeah, it's my like go to never have I ever gets everyone. And I so now I can't you watch it my... because now I get everyone out of never have I ever. It's a curse. I need to give you access to my movies anywhere account so you can see this shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's a matter of her not being able mm -hmm. to have access to it. I think it's almost like a yeah, rebel rebel I've got thing. My ways. Yeah, exactly. If it's like <laughs> now, now I, I've it's gone this okay. far and it's part of my identity now that I haven't seen Kaylee, The Lion King, Beauty Kaylee, and the Beast, and that. Yeah. But will you watch it for the sake of the podcast? Because that might be really fun to get your thoughts seeing it for yeah, the first time. If we, okay. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it'll be very strange, like taking a 2019 view on like an old disney film but that could be interesting but that's that's fun like that's actually that's, part of what we that's what we're doing every day we record <laughs> yeah that's true I, okay. I mean i mean that's the whole thing we're gonna do like the full mm -hmm. house cast and have you watch a couple mm -hmm. episodes so like right, right that's just that's fun like that's so interesting mm -hmm. to hear mm -hmm. you know you being a little younger and maybe never having seen this stuff coming in with that kind of perspective yeah. so far removed from it and if you hate it mm -hmm. cool like let's talk about it you know what i mean like, yeah. like what did you hate about it why is this wrong? I, uh, <laughs> I so so my thoughts on the animated feature. When I was a kid, Aladdin was my favorite Disney movie because it was the coolest. Just like Back to the Future 2 was my favorite of the Back to the Futures because it was the coolest. Getting older, 
I am recognizing, although I still like those movies, they're fun and I enjoy them. I recognize the writing and the the presentation of, and and even the way that it is done holds up more um, over time than maybe it did at the time. So Beauty and the Beast holds up better. A lot of the jokes from Aladdin uh, were great, but they were pop culture references that were very of their time. Um, and I loved them and still can love them now, but definitely recognize that they aren't as relevant today. Whereas Beauty and the Beast is more of a timeless tale um, and presented in a very timeless way. Um, same with like, like so Back to the Future 1 is probably my favorite now because I see that the writing and concept is so much stronger, even though it's not as cool um, as 2. So... That's kind of where I'm at now as an adult. Beauty and the Beast is my favorite Disney animated film. It's it, the, the the princess literally is a wonderful person who literally the only thing that she does that is a quote unquote flaw is goes in the room that she wasn't supposed to go in. But she was also a prisoner, so I kind of can't blame her. Like it wasn't even like. Literally, she's she's pretty much flaw, like flawless, <laughs> which can be viewed in a bad way. But also, like she's just a doll. I love her, and um, the Beast is a compelling character. I I feel for him and and relate in a lot of ways to the to the concept of being maybe being a jerk or being a bad person, but really trying to to you know you have a good heart in there. Um, you just have to be given a chance again. Um, and so I appreciate that. It, it's it's kooky and fun, and it just feels magical to watch. The songs are good. The songs are well done. Um, so, yeah, if I'm in a fun mood, Aladdin's my jam. If I'm in more of a if I want more of a like experience, like a deeper experience, Eating the Beast um, is it. I really, really also think Gaston is one of the greatest villains in the Disney pantheon and maybe most underrated. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just such a dick. Oh, um but he's he's also really like captivating in his like presentation. You're like, wow. Like when I first the thing is is that he so encapsulates what normally would be viewed as the hero. He does. Yeah. In most in most, you know, animated Disney movies. You know, he's rugged, he's buff, he's yeah, like the you know, the women love him. He, but he's arrogant and that's his that's his flaw. He's basically perfect as far as looks and what he can do and he's he could provide, he could do this and that and like what he's, you know he's not stereo, a, stereotypical women would look for, you know. In but that. he's not a caricature the way Clayton is in Tarzan. Right. Like yeah, he's he's just boastful and you know, he's just He's just like, yeah, like, Belle, of course you want, like, I like you, you could be with me, and we could be happy, and it'll be great. And she's like, no, you stink, you suck, like, you don't have, like, depth in your heart and stuff, and, like, you just think about yourself, and, like, that's his flaw. I do love the idea, one of my friends came up with this concept of, 
Gaston being the actual hero of Beating the Beast. So every time, every time he watches it, he roots for Gaston and roots against the beast. And just and at the moment that he shoots, at the moment that Gaston shoots the beast in the back with an arrow and it hits, he turns the movie off and says, "Yay, it's over! <laughs> he won!" And, and that's that's the true ending that he says to that movie. And Gaston runs off with Belle, and they live happily ever after. Um, but that is that is I mean the joke there is is it's that's typically how a Disney movie would go right hmm, how and, they went up to that point really yeah and so it was nice to see that take of no like there is beauty uh, there's beauty inside of this beast like obviously I mean that's cl- yeah. a cliche thing to say <laughs> that's really lame but like mm-hmm. there, there is she sees the potential w- within mm-hmm. him to and falls That's, in love with him even while he doesn't, he, you know, he doesn't even look human, but that doesn't matter. Anyway, go ahead, yeah. Kaylee. You're, you're, you're starting to sell me on this. I love things that, like, subvert expectations and, like, play with tropes and what's expected from characters in that. And so, like, yeah, playing on the classic, like, masculine archetype, masculine hero archetype. Um, as the villain for a change and mm-hmm. switching that up uh, is really interesting. And cool. yeah, so- suddenly I have a reason to watch it. <laughs> Ooh, like, hmm. wow. So, I have done yeah. my deed. I, yeah. I, every yeah. time, every time. I'll need to come up with another Never Have I Ever. Ah, every but. time, every time a person sold on a new Disney movie, mm-hmm. the, an angel gets its wings. That's the same. <laughs> <laughs> So I I had a question sort of on the general Disney thing. How yeah. do you two feel about um, all these live action remakes lately? Um, yay, nay. <laughs> I've seen a lot of nays online, but uh, kind of what are your thoughts? Uh, one, I think people over nay. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, That's fair. It is the internet. But one, like every complaint people have with the live action Beauty and the Beast is generally, it can be boiled down to that's not what I grew up with. Uh, Almost every single one of them. Sure. There's some, you know, bad choices like auto tuning Emma Watson. That was a bad choice. Letting her sing as herself would have been great, except you know what? Eh, not that big of Mm -hmm. a deal. Um, okay. But otherwise, yeah. Yeah, my my thoughts on the live action stuff because I I haven't really seen any of the live action adaptions. So so other than clips here and there, the reason I haven't is because I don't feel like there's a void that needs to be filled. Um, I guess I don't I don't feel that watching it would satiate or, or fulfill a purpose that needs to be fulfilled for me where watching these animated stories I've seen the story it was told in a what I've been told is a is a is the best representation um but uh you know even if there are beneficial things in the live action portrayals things that they changed or did differently I don't I don't feel the need to see that story again just portrayed with live actors. 
I, I because I don't have a problem with animation, and I'm not suggesting that people that watch the live action ones do have a problem with animation. I just don't. I don't see the animated movie and then feel like, well, you know, that's amazing, but there is this kind of want for to see this done, you know, in a live setting. Typically, most of the times that I've seen an animated series or a movie adapted into live action, the things that they were able to do with the animation that were so fun and maybe over the top. We talked last week about Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, and, you know, w- that movie just is probably the perfect representation of like how <laughs> everything could go wrong and not be fun. Like everything that was fun about the show was just completely cut short. And, and it's a lot easier to, you know, to do the animation of effects and fun things like, like, Lu- is it Lumiere? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that how you say it? Lumiere. Lumiere. Like, you know, the action sequences toward the end, you know, with him and uh, Cogsworth, um, you know, oh, yeah. could be could be done in CG, but there's something about animation that um, because it isn't really live action at that point. If you're doing CG as well, right? I mean, it's live it's live characters, but then if so much of it is CG, it's like um, trying to be live, but it's not real life. It's still again just kind of another animated, like the new Lion King. You know, is just kind of another animated movie, right? Because it's, but it's just 3D animation versus 2D animation. And yeah, right. I yeah. don't really feel like the, like the originals were lacking in any substantial way that I need another tale of it. I don't, I'd rather watch uh, something I haven't seen before. Or if I really feel like I need to see that story, I'll just watch, you know, the one that I can count on, I guess. But, but that's me. And I don't see that there's anything wrong with people watching either one. And I kind of want to watch this live action Beauty and the Beast to kind of form more of an opinion on it. And and I want to see what you're seeing in it as well, Jen, and, and watch it obviously with an open mind, with with a fresh lens. But up till this point, that's really kind of been my reason for holding off on, on, I mean, that mixed with people just saying that a lot of times they're really not good or they're just okay. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think... I think one of the one of the flaws in it was um, <clears throat> with the live action remakes was particularly when they did Maleficent, they just they tried to make a live action prequel to an animated movie and completely changed everything about everything, and that didn't sit well. Um, they and they that, usurped. They usurped the plot or the premise. They usurped the premise and the story a little bit, from what I understand. Um, as I haven't seen Maleficent simply due to finances, um, but when they did Cinderella, they removed all, a whole lot of the music and the stuff that made Cinderella Cinderella for Disney. You know, um, and so it's kind of like, well, why would you do that? I mean, it's Disney's Cinderella. You should keep the Disney elements of it. I mean, we all know what they are. A Disney princess has animals that they talk to. Usually, not not 100%, but usually they sing all the freaking time. And the the story is a little bit more lighthearted as a whole. 
even the darker elements still are kind of lighthearted as a general rule. Um, and, and I think that's where with the Beauty and the Beast remake, they got, they hit all the right points for a Disney princess movie. It's just, it was all the right points. They got, it was lighthearted overall. It had music. It had quirky side characters who weren't human, you know, um, you know, obviously Lumiere, Cogsworth, you know, um, the, the, the maestro, because that, that was a character they added for the for the movie, uh, the live action one. All these people all of a sudden are here. And it's great. And it worked out well. And they, they basically, instead of rewriting the movie, they just tweaked some of the elements in the movie, which is a, not a bad way to make a remake, because instead of retelling the story like they're going to with Mulan, you know, where they, oh, we're going to make it more like the Chinese original and we're going to lose very important characters completely. And yeah, Disney fucked up with Mulan and the original in so many ways. And other people have said it way better than me. And you can find that online. Um, No, no. Some of the stuff they did, they needed to keep and they refused to. And that, the, the uh, at like um completely removing um you know Shang as a character he's gone he's not there um you know that's probably my biggest pet peeve but I won't go into that now so these kind of recreations of a story like they did with Cinderella or they're gonna do with Mulan versus keeping all the elements and making it a again another Disney movie that fits all the right hits all the right notes the way Beauty and the Beast did will show you the difference in ratings between those movies overall. You know, I, I think it shows between critics and um, the, the rest of the, you know, the, the way fans receive the movies as a general rule, Beauty and the Beast has gotten much higher ratings than Cinderella did. And I think that and my other thing with these is it feels kind of rushed. I mean, we've, we've had, Three three live action remakes this year. Mm-hmm. That seems really rushed. Yeah. Like one a year might be a good idea. Oh, we're gonna do that in May, and then we're gonna release you know a new princess movie or animated feature or whatever in November. That makes sense to me. That seems like a the right kind of pacing. And I mean, you know, even with the Marvel movies, three movies a year is a lot. So yeah. You know, I mean, two movies a year from a studio that's known for making a certain kind of movie seems kind of right. I feel like, I mean, obviously there's the arguments for like, you know, cash grab or or whatever. And that's not really my my place to judge, I guess. I mean, I don't and I also honestly don't really have a problem with it as long as they're not they're not making claims that it's for the artistry if it is for the business side. And obviously it's always, it's always got to be somewhat about the business side because, you know, to a certain degree, you know, you don't, dang it. Like you, well, you, you, you know, unless it's a passion, a, a purely passion project, but, um, I, you know, it, if it's, if I feel like it's a business 
decision that I'm not super passionate about, I might not see it, but I respect it because I, I get it. Like I get, I understand like the desire, Hey, Disney is a company that makes money. Like right. go for it. That's right. what you're, that's what you're doing, you know? But if, but I'm, I'm much more likely going to be drawn to something that I, that I perceive to be for the artistry. And it's hard for me to see lots of remakes um, to be for the artistry um, when money's involved. And I know that mm-hmm. that's coming from someone who does a lot of cover songs, you know, so I do a <laughs> lot of remakes, but a lot of, but obviously I, I don't make money off of, I've never made, I've uh-huh. never made, I think I've made 20 bucks in the whole history of me playing music. And that was, that was when we got paid, my band got paid 80 bucks for playing our original songs and we split it up across four people. I've made $20 and I've mixed some albums uh, for other people. And But money is not why I'm doing it. I do it because it's fun. I do it because I, I enjoy it. I mean, it is a passion project. Um, I actually would, f- I don't know. There's a part of me that would feel odd about me if I made a cover songs album and, and sold it for money. I'd much rather write something of my own. But again, that is that is me. That's the way that I feel. And I'm not judging anyone that's, you know, that are, are, are against people making cover song albums. Uh, as long, and if I like them, I'll buy them if I, and I'll listen to them. But um, I, I would feel much better, I think, about myself personally right you know creating my own content but i do understand it is a lot riskier to create original pieces i do miss the days though and and it as if as if we're saying you know like like stories like aladdin and little mermaid and beauty and the beast honestly disney's animated movie is is an adaptation of a story that was already done like they didn't create those properties brand new those were already stories they just disneyified them but now they're they're kind of doing an updated version on something that they know there's nostalgia for, which will sell on its own. Um, <clears throat> another thing I would really like to see is them use that as a platform to showcase um, actors that might do a better job in the roles rather than known actors as much. Um, I saw that with Aladdin a bit, uh, other than you know Will Smith playing the genie, whom I love. I love Will Smith, but um, it. I think hearing like Emma Watson playing Belle, like it would have been cool if they got maybe a, a French actor, a French actress to to play the role of Belle and showcase some of that because the name, like you don't need Emma Watson to sell your movie. It's Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. That name right. sells itself, right? So right. use it as a platform to to bring something, uh, to, to expand the barriers, to bring something new and creative. But, it's hard and that's the same in the video game industry too it's so overinflated and the and there's so much money on the line to make the things that are being made here that it's just you can't take the bet that somebody that people are going to reject this unknown property they got to hedge their bets on something that is a known quantity we don't know how they're going to do on the remakes because you know cinderella disney changed a few things and there weren't any big name actors in that movie. Huh? Okay. When you think about the live action Cinderella, I mean, just jump over to IMDB here quick and let's take a look. What, who, who was in it? You know, 2015, um, 
the biggest name in the movie is Kate Blanchett. And she's the okay. stepmother. I Lily oh. James, this was 2015, so this was four years ago. Um, Lily James, Richard Madden are Cinderella and the Prince. Helen Bonham Carter, Fairy Godmother. Um, there, as I've said, only two names I know. Um, let's see. Noso Anozi, Stellan Skarsgård, Sophie McShera, Holiday Granger. I, I, I don't know any of these. Oh, oh, I found Haley Atwell. I know three people in this, three actors in this movie. <laughs> and it bombed. The movie was not well received. Didn't make money, though. Probably. So. I mean, it got six point nine stars on. It's got six point nine out of ten on IMDb. The 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 critics. It doesn't matter what the critics say, though. It, it matters. Did it make money? Right. The, and Dis- it made I don't money. think Disney is looking at at. Oh, what did the critic? You know, the. I I don't think they care, or if they, you know, they already know. You know, hey, this is, you know, going to bring in our our projections are it'll bring in this amount, and we can hedge our bets on it. Anyway. Mm-hmm. That's probably enough on yeah on live action Disney <laughs> movies. Cool. Well then, anything else? Um, oh, uh, I have another song here. Here we go. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, giant steps are what you take. Beauty and the Beast. I hope my leg don't break. Beauty and the Beast. We could be together. Beauty and the Beast. We could be forever. Beauty and the Beast. You're welcome. I'm bowing. You can't see it, but how would I bow? How would I bow with my audio? Here we go. It, it would go like this. Mm. Did you hear Ooh, that? Nice. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I can feel the bend through the audio. You got the bends. Oh. Yeah. I knew it that doesn't would sound good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, I mean, the bends, or are we talking the bends or the bends? radio? We're talking about Radiohead, the bends. That's oh, a okay. great album. Anyway, next time mm-hmm. on uh, on we happen to yeah. be trans. Dot dot dot. A live action high school dramatic pinball cast. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that was, that was uh, a journey.